Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Durhaj. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxanne Durhaj. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, this week, I have a colleague, Dan Olabi. Is that correct, Dan? Am I saying yeah, it correct? Close to you. That's good. <laughs> uh, Dan's a colleague of mine from a mastermind coaching uh, uh, program that we've uh, both been involved with uh, for quite a while, and we're both professional speakers. So, Dan, thanks so much for coming in and giving us your time today. Good to be here. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dan's uh, background, and uh, we're going to get we're going to get into talking about servant leadership, which is um, I, I love the concept and um, how to be authentic in, in servant leadership. So Dan's uh, always believed in the greatest leaders are servants first. That's why he's made his mission to help others achieve exceptional results by leading from a mindset of serving, uh, drawing on his talent for storytelling. Telling, which I've heard, which is amazing, and is a passion for connecting with others. Dan has spent almost 15 years uh, um, working to empower those around him. Uh, after being a teacher and a pastor, he has developed his passion for developing leaders to a wider audience, and he's now the executive director of branches worldwide and travels the world identifying and investing in leaders. So, Dan, is there anything that I've missed that maybe you want to highlight in your bio? No, no, that, that kind of hits most of it. Yep. Okay, perfect. So, what I would like to do is kind of, obviously, you ended up in, in leadership. So, you've got a, you know, you've had a different path. But I, tell me a little bit about your story and kind of where you began and um, kind of what, how it led you into becoming a pastor and now uh, becoming a keynote speaker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the short version of my story is that uh, my my family is a really unique family. My mom and dad were both deaf, meaning they couldn't hear. Uh, they were both first generation um, immigrants to the United States from Nigeria. So if you think about their their journey and the way that they came into the job market, it was just really difficult uh, not being able to speak the language or even speak at all, not being from the country. Um, but for me, being able to watch them uh, grow and develop and become leaders in the community, leaders in the region, it was really inspiring. I saw a lot of things that I probably couldn't have learned anywhere else about servant leadership. Uh, so we'll probably talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But uh, so my mom and dad, uh, both deaf. My dad was a pastor. Um, so being, a, being in ministry was kind of like the family business. And in a lot of ways, I kind of saw the insides and outsides of it. Um, you know, when I graduated from college, I became a, a teacher and then really felt called to go back into ministry where for a long time I had kind of resisted it. Um, I was a pastor for, for 10 years. Uh, it was a great experience, um, met a lot of great people, helped a ton of people and really got to live out a passion of mine. Um, but then it came time for a transition. I was ready for a new challenge. And uh, I gave a talk at a conference uh, about servant leadership. And you know, I went in there and kind of just did my best. And it, it was a smash hit. 
I mean, it was, it was way better than I expected. And I think it was uh, something that really kind of tapped into something deep in me. And so from there, I started a uh, speaking company because a lot of requests started coming in about speaking around the country, around the region. And so um, started a company based on that. And then uh, that's where I am today. So define servant leadership, because I think, you know, just by listening to the words, I think I can understand, but I just want you to define it from your perspective. So I, people listening can have a, an understanding of what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So servant leadership really begins with an attitude of wanting to help people. That's, that's really where it starts. And oftentimes leaders have an agenda, which they should, you, you have a place you want to go, but servant leadership is really about figuring out where people need to go and then doing everything you can to help them see what they need and then getting them on board and then taking them there. So the entire time you're taking someone there to a particular place, whether it's um, financial health or physical health or becoming a better leader or whatever it is, they're enrolled the whole time and wanting to get better themselves. And you're just a guide to help them get there. That's really what servant leadership is all about. So are there specific things that leaders should be considering if they, if they think about it, I think most leaders want to do well. Uh, oftentimes they are super busy. They can be stressed. I talk a lot about them being their mental well-being, being the key for them to be in a space so that they can connect to others or re- really even be able to absorb what, what's happening around them. Sometimes they're in, they can be up that high that, and so stressed that it's difficult for, for them to hear. What kind of things works or should leaders consider so that they could be in that space of, of serving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I'm glad you're asking that Roxanne. I'm actually working on a book right now on that. And one of the pieces of it is making sure exactly like you're talking about, making sure that you have a good handle on yourself. So uh, understanding your own insecurities, understanding your own motivations. Once you're able to get to the heart of that, you can see moments when you attempt to manipulate people, to get them to do what you want to do. And that's not really serving. So if you know yourself well, and you're able to lead yourself well, then you put yourself in a position to really lead other people. So once you've settled that, uh, and you understand, okay, I'm okay. You know, I don't really need anything from you. I don't have anything to hide from you. And I have anything to prove to you. Um, I just want to help you. When you're in that position, then it becomes really easy to identify people's needs and then figure out a way to so it's, all, it's, it's the opposite of control, really, is what you're talking about. It's about recognizing, okay, at the end of the day, you, you, you have an objective as a, as a leader, a CEO, or a senior executive. Oftentimes, it's the people that um, stay too tactical, in my experience, are the ones that kind of get lost along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, just from um, you know, my experience in executive consulting, that would oftentimes be what would happen is because and we're going to use the word communication, which I think is completely overused, but their, their direct lines of communication down seems to miss certain key things uh, that allows the people beneath them, you know, to be able to, to, to siphon the necessary information for people at the front line to stay connected. Right, right. That's good. So servant leadership really is the opposite of that. It's kind of the element of transparency is what you're saying. I'm a normal person. I, I know I'm the, you know, the woman or the man at the top, but really I have the same goals as what you do. That's right. That's right. And I'm secure enough to tell you that I'm a normal person and then to connect with you on a human level. Yeah. Right. So tell me about 
you know, not to pick on senior leaders, but tell me about some people that you've kind of experienced that have done, maybe gone from not doing it so well to doing it uh, very well to be in that space of um, servitude. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I worked with uh, with an executive about three years ago, and when he first started in his role, um, he was very much command and control. I mean, one of the things that really stuck out to me about him was when he would write emails, uh, he would use all caps on a regular basis, like screaming at people. Yeah, yeah. But his level of self-awareness was low enough that he didn't understand even that, you know, he didn't understand how much that said to people. Uh, he was focused much more on the the project and you know, the content of his words, but not so much exactly how he said it. And so, um, you know, we worked together and eventually he got to a point when he was really doing a lot of things with his team that had very little to do with the actual objectives and much more to do with connecting with them. And so, for example, um, where he would do uh, staff meetings at his office across the desk, um, you know, huge desk, uh, he realized the impression in that huge office, huge desk. So he would go to them on location uh, and then he would take a walk with them in the parking lot. So it's a shoulder to shoulder, side by side, walking in nature, um, that kind of conversation. And suddenly he found that people were much more willing to tell him the real answers about what was going on in the community and in the business, uh, as opposed to the right answer when he was sitting across the table from them. And that helped him get to his objectives much faster. Mm-hmm. He was able to slow down and actually create an environment that was serving people. Uh, he found that he was able to move much quicker. So just the humanness of that individual is what, what, what people experience, because obviously, you know, you kind of think of your boss, like I'm sure you've had bosses over the, over the years, like I have, and then you kind of think, okay, if there's a respectful um, separation you need to have, because obviously you report to them. I, I, absolutely. But what you talk about, what I hear you saying clearly is that that senior person is recognizing and not utilizing that space uh, with the employee. They're just saying, yes, we do have these different roles, but inadvertently we are really trying to, to connect on a, on a deep level. I'll give an example. You know, I, I worked with uh, a CEO and I was going out to meet with them one quarter and I'm walking into, you know, the corporate building and he's out front and there's somebody trying to, I think it was like, I don't know if it was uh, someone disabled or, you know, just kind of, probably panhandling or something like that. And he stopped and now I'm, I'm coming up and I'm stopping and he's talking to this person and I'm talking, we get engaged. So we start to talk about, you know, he says to me, what is it about, we were joking around because I knew him pretty well. He said, what is it about your face that people stop to talk about you? He says, because mm. I have the same thing. And I said, because I often, you know, I grew up in uh, Trinidad and Tobago and I grew up with a father who was an executive and he, al- he always said, treat everybody with the same respect. You never know who you're going to meet. You know, it could be the person that's opening the door for you in the front of the building um, to maybe the person that could be the executive. You never really know who you're talking to. So to treat people with the same respect, Mm. you know, Mm. Uh, and clearly that particular day we were talking about it. And he said, you know, he said to me, hey, Roxanne, that's what I do. He says, I just treat people um, the way I want to be treated, regardless of who they are. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And I would imagine that sort of consistency over time would really build a lot of rapport and a lot of respect among your colleagues and among your customers. Yeah, that's great. 
So for people that are listening, uh, whether they're in HR or um, that are having to coach some of these CEOs or just at a a senior executive, you know, kind of table, maybe they have someone that is a bit more difficult to deal with. What kind of things would you suggest that they start to do or start to consider doing to maybe shift someone like that, that may be a bit more tactical and, and, and objective driven to have them get more into a place of servitude. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. You know, um, oftentimes when people are, are drivers like that and they, they really want to sort of achieve an objective at the expense of their team, um, oftentimes they don't really know the damage that they're doing. And giving them an opportunity to really see that and see how it's slowing them down, that's the key. Uh, and so assuming the HR director or whoever it is um, doesn't have a good relationship with that person, I would suggest two things to start. Um, Establish mutual trust, um, meaning establish a mutual uh, respect for each other. And then also establish a mutual purpose. Like, hey, Bob, we're after the same thing here. We both want to achieve, we both want to build this building. We both want to do this thing. Um, But understand the way that you're doing it isn't necessarily helping you. And so, you know, as an HR uh, representative, what you'd want to do is you want to put yourself in a position to say, I'm, we're after the same thing. I'm trying to help you. And so if he's able to, or she's able to understand that, the next step is to really show them evidence, just clear evidence of where their behavior is hurting the bottom line or hurting the end goal. That's what I would do. Now, I, I listen to this and I think... We're leaders in so many parts of our lives. I mean, I know you, you have two little ones, I, I think I remember hearing. And, you know, we are constantly in that space where we ha- we're having to lead. And we often think of leaders sometimes as being, you know, the, the senior executives. But we're often having to lead, like you said, with your mom and dad in, the, in your community. Your new, you know, you're, you're a parent. You're a friend. There's so many ways that this could be applied. Mm. Is it any different with with serving in different relationships to a corporate relationship? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Not much. There are some differences. You know, for example, um, when you're in a typical relationship with someone and you make a suggestion, uh, you're not their boss or anything. They they can take it or leave it if they want to. And if they leave it, there really are no consequences for you. I mean, it just, it is what it is. They They chose not to follow your advice. But when you're a corporate relationship or you're in a business relationship and they work for you, if they refuse to take your suggestion, there are some ramifications there, you know? Right. And so I would liken it to, um, you know, spending time with my daughter and spending time with a, a couple of employees. You know, if I would say, say to one of my employees, hey, I need you to go clean up your office space, um, they would get a completely different uh, feeling from me if I, than if I asked my daughter, hey, can you clean up a room? I mean, the response I would get would be just night and day. Because in one, one relationship, I have authority. In the other relationship, I have a little less, right? Um, or it's just different, if I should say. So that would, that would be my experience. For sure. So it's, it's, you're, you're having the different uh, dynamics in the relationship. But at the end of the day, I would think that even leading with your parenting, you could try to take control. But, you know, we know that how well that works. I've been a parent for a long time. But it's, again, you're trying to demonstrate to your daughter potentially certain things that you would like for her to do versus kind of telling her what to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, to your point, I think uh, the bottom, the, the bottom line or the underlying principle behind both relationships is influence. 
And if I'm able to get into a position where my daughter understands that I care about her and she understands that I trust her and the suggestions I'm making are necessarily to serve me, but to serve her and serve the family, it's much easier for her to say, yes, I'll do that. And ultimately, if I resort to forcing her to do it by grounding her or doing something like that, it'll work for about you know a week or two. But after a couple of years, she's going to get tired of that. I'm really going to start to lose influence. So with your employees, it's the same way. I mean, ultimately, you've got to treat them as if they're, uh, as if they're volunteers, as if at one point they can just walk away and say, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done with you and I can find another job. And in an economy like this, where it's oftentimes hard to find good people, uh, people can walk away faster than you think. And so treating them as if they're volunteers and earning influence with them, as opposed to just telling them what to do, uh, that's, that's the way to go. And servant leadership really helps with that. Now you work with, uh, you work with companies. So you also, you also coach and I know you speak, uh, and do you also do trainings or is it mostly coaching and the speaking? Yeah. You know, I, I happen to lead an international nonprofit and what we do is we find the best young Christian leaders that we can around the world. Um, and we come alongside them and we give them mentoring and coaching and training to help them become better entrepreneurs and better business leaders. So I spent a lot of time across cultures trying to help people in different parts of the world become better leaders. And sometimes it's through workshops. Um, sometimes it's through just one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, but there's a lot of different things you can do to help people grow. So, and what, what was the, it's called branches worldwide. That's right, the name. So, so tell me where you came up. Well, obviously you're a pastor. Then you start to speak. Then the, the, the uh, serving uh, element or servitude came into, and then you decided that you wanted to start this. How long ago did you start this, Dan? Branches Worldwide has been up and running for about a year. Uh, and we just got our 501c3 our, uh, about a week ago. So, man, we are really excited. But we've taken about two, we've taken two trips overseas. Uh, it's been a fun experience. Wow. And where have you gone so far? So far, we've been to Thailand. That's the main hub that we've met leaders in. Uh, we've got a trip coming up to Nicaragua and Jamaica in about two weeks. So uh, things are moving fast. Wow, you're going to my neck of the woods in the Caribbean then. Yeah, yeah. You said uh, Tobago? Is that where you're from? Uh, Trinidad. Well, it's Trinidad okay. and Tobago, but I was born in Trinidad. Okay, okay, good. So good. is it any different when you, when you take this concept of servant leadership to different parts of the world compared to North America with you being in the U.S.? It is. It is. I mean, the underlying principles are the same, you know, putting yourself in a position to want to serve people and then disciplining yourself to actually serve people and then finding out what they need. I mean, all that is, is the same, but across cultures, uh, what, what you'll find are the, um, what's the word, the, the interpretation of your behavior is much different than you would think, you know, in Thailand, for example, um, they tend to be a little bit more of a, of a friendly culture, a relational culture. And so moving too fast in a relationship can really burn bridges. But in Germany and in England, if you move too slow, people think that you're an idiot and they don't want anything to do with you. So really getting to the point there uh, makes a huge difference. So what I'm learning is that um, even though the, the, the underlying principles are the same, finding out who you're serving and then finding out how to serve them, that's key. But you know, ultimately how you do it, uh, it depends on the region, depends on the person. And isn't that su such of the case, right? Like, because even when people come to Canada from the U.S., and I know with our coaching, it's mostly a combination of both, and they often say that 
Canadians are nice and the Americans are too, more to the point, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's right. It's, but really, it's, it's so true. It's just, so the context, depending on the culture, might shift how you approach it. But at the end of the day, it's, you're looking for the same thing, which is ultimately trust. Yes, yes. And it gives you, a, servant leadership essentially gives you a North Star because if you're a leader, you'll find yourself in all kinds of unusual situations where you're interacting with people who didn't grow up in your hometown. They don't have the same background that you do. And so being able to be ambidextrous, if you will, and switch from one culture to another without losing a step or connect with one sort of person to another sort of person without losing a step, that makes a huge difference. So Dan, this has been amazing. I'm sure we could spend a lot more time and I know we have a hard stop uh, in a couple of minutes. So for anyone that's looking uh, to have you speak or to do some coaching uh, with them on servant leadership, um, where, where can everyone reach you? Yeah, great question. Um, so you can go to my website, danowalabi.com. Um, I also have a Facebook page, uh, Owalabi Leadership. You can message me there. Um, you know, but ultimately what I love to do is I love to talk to you know, business leaders, business owners about how to be more authentic in their relationship with their employees, with their family. Um, and then ultimately, I love to talk to audiences about how they can use their own personal history just to be authentic about who they are and connect with others in a way that serves their needs. So I'd love to talk to anybody about that. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks so much for your time. And for people listening, at the end of the day, you know, I talk about being authentically connected to yourself. Uh, through mental well-being. Dan talks about um, being transparent so people can feel you and experience you uh, regardless of the level of the organization that you're in so that you can make a, a better impact. So think about that. Think about what is it that you could do in your position to be a bit more authentic uh, to get connected with those around you so you can make a difference. So again, thanks again, everyone. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, and Roxanne. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.